first two things by way of introduction. The first thing is this, is that um, we want you to uh, come away from this seminar being fully convinced that the Holy Spirit is not in some kind of, um, some kind of strange way the odd one out. In the sense of most people are familiar with the idea of God the Father. It's a Christian camp, so we're familiar with Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit can be viewed as something of a bit of a slightly marginal, slightly a bit more mysterious. Or maybe some Christians are really into the Holy Spirit, but I'm not that kind of Christian. Or some Christians aren't. Let me just say that is really, really wrong understanding of the Holy Spirit. Um, The Bible is, is pretty clear that uh, although this is more actually a bit of a simplification there's a lot of it's fundamentally true that the father is uh, seated on his throne in heaven Jesus Christ the son is seated at the right hand of the father in heaven and the father and the son have poured out the Holy Spirit to be with us on earth to bring the presence of the father and the son to us to make Jesus real to us and to make the love of the father real to us so we all absolutely desperately need to know the Holy Spirit in order to really know the Father and the Son. Uh, so that's the first point. It's really important that you get that. This isn't, the Holy Spirit is not an optional extra. You cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said you can't enter the kingdom unless you are born of the Spirit. So he's central. The second point we make every day by way of introduction is this, is that the reason why the Holy Spirit is poured out on the earth is not because of anything we have done to make that Um, something that can happen but because of what Jesus has done that because of the life death and resurrection and then return of Jesus to heaven Jesus goes up the spirit comes down so the spirit is poured out because Jesus has accomplished everything that needs accomplishing to bring us back to God the Bible says that God was reconciling all things to himself through what Christ was doing as he laid down his life for us so so what now you might think well why is that so important here's why it's so important Many, many people, many, many Christians think that uh, the foundation of them knowing the Holy Spirit and walking with the Holy Spirit is on their performance. How are they feeling that day? How are they doing that day? How much have they prayed that day? Rather than understanding that the foundation of their relationship with the Holy Spirit is what Jesus has done for them. If you realize that, it changes everything. Absolutely. How many, I mean, so many Christians, I mean, I struggle with this sometimes. You might think, oh, I've, I, I, I got that wrong. I messed up. So can I still be as confident in the presence of God as I was when I didn't mess up? If I'm thinking like that, it's really showing me that I am in danger of going down a road where I'm not believing the gospel anymore. Because the gospel teaches we are welcome into the presence of God 24-7 by the blood of Jesus. It's incredible how, how we can sing about it with such oomph and joy and wonder one moment and then the next lose our confidence in the blood of Jesus so very quickly and beginning to begin to look at ourselves and our eyes go down on ourselves and we get all introspective. And I tell you, when, you, when that begins to happen, you're going down a dead end. God knows that you in and of yourself are not worthy to be in his presence. He knows that. It's true. Because of our sin, we are not worthy to be in his presence. God cannot abide with sin. But God has has atoned for your sin at the cross through Jesus, so now you can be in his presence. So whether you're having a great day or whether you're having a terrible day, come into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. All right? 
Okay, right. And so the Spirit comes because of what Jesus has done. So if you've got those two things, Spirit is central. The Spirit comes because of the gospel, because of Jesus, then we're on good ground and we'll do well. Okay, teaching point number one for the day is this. We had the Holy Spirit is holy, day one. The Holy Spirit is a spirit, day two. Day three, the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, this is really important to get your head around because often in the Bible, the, the, the images that are used for the Holy Spirit are things like fire or wind or water. And now, we all know, don't we, that fire, wind and water are not uh, are impersonal. They're not he's or she's. We talk about fire, wind, and water as it. And so what you can end up doing is making a jump in your mind and thinking, the Holy Spirit's an it. And what that begins to do is affect the way you think about your relationship with the Holy Spirit because trust me, your relationship with an it is very different from your relationship with a he or a she. Am I right? It's totally different. And I think sometimes where people get it wrong is that they have this idea of uh, the Holy Spirit's going to zap me or something like that, almost as if he's like a, he's like a lightning bolt or he's, it's an experience. Or um, I was just chatting uh, with Stu and Livy before uh, the seminar today. We were just con- having a conversation about it. And she, Livy had this great little spontaneous phrase she, she said, is that if we get it wrong on this, then we can end up seeing the Holy Spirit as our next, as our, Something, yeah, was, it, was there an adjective before it? He's not a fix, he's a friend. And I was like, that'll preach. He's not a fix. I'll go and, get, go and get my fix of the Holy Spirit. Go and shake a bit. Go and something, experience something. And then, and then maybe I can do okay for, a, I don't know, another few days, another few, another few months, and then happen again. Rather than building a relationship with someone, the Holy Spirit becoming your best friend. It's a totally different dynamic. Can you understand the difference between those two? It's huge. And so we really want to help you understand the Holy Spirit is a person. The Bible refers to him the vast majority of the time as he, which means a few things. Um, it means, number one, that um, he can be grieved. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 4. Don't grieve him. You can grieve him you can, um, w- w- when you know the Lord, when you're in a relationship with God, um, actually, I'm going to backtrack because there's something really important that I didn't say. So I'm going to backtrack, rewind. Right, here we go. Before you're a Christian, the Bible describes you as dead in your sin. Therefore, there's nothing you can do about the condition you are in. God has to do something to make you alive that you can respond to him. Right? So before you're a Christian, you're, you're, you're a corpse in that sense, spiritually speaking. In that situation, the Holy Spirit, God's work in you is a, it's a one-way deal. God just needs to bring you to life. When he's done that, then it changes. Because once you're alive to God, it's, and it becomes a relationship, any healthy relationship is two-way. Imagine being in a relationship that's just one way. Imagine that. You wanted to be someone's friend, but you always had to call them. You always had to text them. You always had to arrange everything. At some point, you're going to be thinking, this is rubbish, aren't you? What's the point of this? I don't really think they, they, they want to know. And I think some Christians can be so passive in their relationship to God, they don't realize that God is looking for relationship. Which means that what you do and what you say has an impact on him. Not in the sense that... It, not in the sense that, I don't know, I don't want to misrepresent that so it kind of makes God look frail or makes him look in some way um, that, I don't know, he can be corrupted by what you do. Not at all. But actually, his heart is touched 
by your response to him. Because it's a relationship. Which means that, which is why the Bible says you can grieve the spirit. So when, you, when you're in a relationship with the Lord, it's not so much anymore like the judge and the criminal. Before we were saved, it was like the judge, he's the judge, and we're the, we're the criminals, you know. But God in his mercy makes us alive. And so it's no longer like that kind of relationship. Now it's, it's much more, it's father, son, it's friendship, it's different. Which means that when you sin now, the primary thing you are doing is wounding your lover, hurting your friend. Which is why words like grieve in the Holy Spirit is what's being used there. When you hold on to bitterness, unforgiveness, when you entertain dark things, you're grieving the Spirit who lives inside of you. Not the one who just hits you every now and then in meetings. You are grieving the one who lives inside of you. So you are, you are making uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit's experience of living inside you one of grief. You can also delight the Holy Spirit. You can delight him. By delighting in the things of God, as you let the things that, that, that God loves grow in your heart, there's mutual delight that goes on. The Spirit of God will delight in you. In fact, the, the, the Bible uses very, very strong language. And um, when we, our second teaching slot may make some of you uncomfortable with the strength of language that, that we're going to be using. But for now, I'll just say this. You can delight God. You can bring delight to the heart of God. It's an incredible place to be if you think about it. It's a real relationship. The Holy Spirit is a person. Thirdly, he can be resisted or quenched. The Bible says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. What an incredible thing to say. Don't, so I can put out the Spirit's fire. That's why, you know that song, put a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I'm a bit picky with words sometimes. I said, you know what I sing? I sing, put a fire down in my soul that I won't contain and I won't control. Because actually the way the Spirit's fire works in you is that actually you can put out the Spirit's fire. You can quench the Spirit. If you get hard in your heart, you can put out that fire. What was burning and raging can just become like little embers. But on the flip side, the Bible says things like fan into flame the gift of God within you. Extraordinary. So I, I, I built a fire pit in my garden. Um, a couple of months ago. I took two days off work and I built a fire pit in my garden. So I got the dustbin lid, I put it down on the grass, I dug a circle around it and I just went down. Then once I dug the circle, I, put, I, I got about 16 bricks, stood them up, tall ways, put them around it. Then I used the most terrifying tool I've ever used in my life, a stone cutter. I was literally praying the whole time I was using it, declaring the Lordship of Christ over this beast to cut this, create this patio thing around it. So now we've got this fire pit in the garden. So now I've got to learn how to, I've had to learn how to make fires. And um, one of the things I've learned is this extraordinary thing. Once you just got a little bit there, we've got this old plastic box. I don't know why it's in the garden. Oh yeah, I do, because my daughter uses it as a bath for her lizard. But there's this um, plastic box, and what we do, we stand over the fire, and I go, <laughs> I look like a maniac. But what I've discovered is if I do that long enough, suddenly it goes, Vroom. You've got a fire. I'm fanning into flame that which is there. This is a relationship. He is in you and God is a consuming fire. He is in you and one way that's described is as a fire. You can quench that. You can put that out. Or you can say, Lord, come and burn in me. You can get in the Bible and let the words of God fuel that fire. It's a wonderful thing. So, and then he can, be, he can be resisted and he can be welcomed. 
This is a really important thing about um, welcoming the Spirit. I think I'm going to focus on that in the second, the second slot, really. But I will just say that he can be resisted and he can be welcomed. And, that's, and he's, he's, he's actually quite responsive to what's going on in your heart. Some people say the Holy Spirit is like a gentleman. I would say he usually is. There are uh, moments you read about in the Bible and you hear about in stories where, where God moves in a very forceful way because that has to be done. But I, I think it seems that God's preferred way is, 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 is gentle and is to definitely powerful, but he's looking to work with us. So teaching point number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. He can be grieved, delighted, quenched, fanned into flame. He can be, he can be resisted. He can be welcomed. Now we're going to have some Q&A. You're used to this now. 60% of you are used to this now. So you're, you're going to be flowing. Stu and Liv are going to help with any answers. So go for it. Make them real, practical to your life. Yes. Yeah, practical things in terms of fanning into flame and quenching. I think, I think quenching is often it's, it's that thing where um, you just, you, don't, you do not abandon yourself to him. It, it, you can't come to God with conditions. That's the thing about it. You can't come and say, I want you in my life, but as long as you don't or as long as you do, because immediately what you're doing is you're creating a, negotia- a negotiation, and that's not how it works with the Lord, because he's Lord. So it's a submission. So I think holding back, holding back certain things that you really love and you're afraid what he will do with that, holding back something of your heart, um, holding back certain things that you want to happen in your life, and if God doesn't do that, then you're not going to follow him. Any conditions that you put on the Lord, tend, you can be honest, you can definitely talk to him about what you really want, but if you begin saying, unless you, then I think that's a real quenching situation for the, for the Holy Spirit because you're not accepting him as Lord. You're basically, you're basically creating a deal. You can't do deals with God. Um, so I, th- I think in terms of fanning into flame, it's just it's pursuit. I, I think I will cover that on my second point. So we'll get that for the second point because we'll really get into some stuff that will be relevant for that. Yeah. Anything else? Great question. If you feel you've quenched the Holy Spirit, how can you, how can you sort of get back into a good place? Do you know what? It's such a brilliant question because there's such a wonderful answer. The answer is this. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's as simple as saying, Lord, you know what? I've realized that actually there's been part of me that's been quenching you in some way or, or resisting you in some way. Please, can you forgive me? I don't want to do that anymore. And God runs at you <laughs> at that point. It's like, yeah. You think, well, why is it like that? Why is it so straightforward? The cross. Jesus has done the work. And, and God, God, God knows the heart. God searches the heart. So if, if he sees that you, you mean what you say, even if your words, you're fumbling, it doesn't matter. He sees the heart. So if your heart is, Lord, I just, just realized that I've been holding back in some way or resisting. I don't want to do that anymore. God just sees that and he just, he just runs at that. And, and, he, and there's, you haven't got to, you know, as you're saying that, you know, you may feel grieved and mourned and you, you know, you may kind of, you know, shed a tear and whatever. That's fine. But, you know, once you've gone through that process with God, you haven't got to run it around your head ten times more. God says that he chooses to remember our sins no more, which is much more powerful than saying he forgets our sins. The Bible doesn't say that. It says he chooses to remember them no more. That's extraordinary. Forgetfulness is just a sign of weakness. Choosing to remember your sins no more is an act of the will. God says, I will not bring up those things that I've forgiven you for. Next question. Book recommendations on the Holy Spirit. Um, Paul, the Spirit and the Presence of God by Gordon Fee. That's a good. That's a good one, and that's kind of like an easier version of a harder one he wrote. <laughs> um, 
The Spirit-Filled Church is a brilliant one by Terry Virgo. That's an excellent, excellent book. Um, and I, if you can get some biographies on people that have you know, been baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with the Spirit, there's some really good stuff on there too. So, but uh, Stu's going to look around as we talk. Any other questions? And then we're going to the next teaching point. Right. So, okay, so just clarifying. Where, that, how do you fan into flame the gifts of the Holy Spirit? So basically, I, I would say that the primary thing is that you're, you are having an abandoned and open heart to God, saying, Lord, have your way. But I think it's also when it comes to the gifts that you have, it's using them. Because in that context, Paul is saying to Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God within you. So if you have a gift of like prophecy, or if you have a gift of um, leadership, or if you have a gift of administration, or if you have a gift of speaking in tongues, or if you have, to have a gift of healing or miracles, and you've, ta- you've walked in it a bit and you've used it a bit, sometimes you can feel like, wow, what, what, what? I don't know, you can almost feel like it dries up a bit, or you, th- you think God lifts it. Probably that's not the case. Probably what it is, is just that you have not maybe fanned into flame, i.e. you've not prayed into it, you've not looked for opportunities to step out. Maybe you stepped out in it a bit and, and it didn't seem to work as well as you'd hoped and so you, you retracted in your heart. So it's about not giving way to fear, not giving, not giving way to timidity, and really just saying, God, I'm, I, I, I'm all in and I'm not going to, um, I'm not gonna go the safe route. That's really how you how I would best describe fanning into flame. Getting alongside other people that, have, that are gifted in the way that you feel God's called you, say, train me up, help me, teach me, so you can be apprenticed. All of these things are ways of really being proactive in what God's put in you. Um, and giving time. If you don't plan to pray, you won't pray. If you don't plan to read your Bible, you won't read your Bible. If you're not intentional about growing in the Christian life, you probably just, you'll end up just drifting. And so anything we're passionate about, we, 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 we plan for, we put some thought into, just do that with your Christian life. I think sometimes we, we don't. And we think, well, why is it not working? Because we expect, because it's like a supernatural thing, it kind of just happened. It's a relationship. God looks for you to, to, to be involved, to make decisions and choices and to prioritize and to plan things. That's not unspiritual. That's just maturity. Okay, teaching point two. Desire. Now, this is a big one. This is a real, real big one. you really got to understand this. Teaching point two every day are things that are really, really helpful or important when it comes to walking with the Spirit. Day one was repentance. It's online. Listen to it. Day two was faith. It's online. Listen to it. Day three today is desire. I want to talk to you about desire. Do you know that you are uncomfortably desired by God? You are desired by God to a level that may make you uncomfortable. The Bible says that the spirit that God has put in you, God jealously, je- jealously desires you. God jealously desires. There's something about what, when you become a Christian, what God does in you, that he places his own spirit in you. And there is such passionate and jealous love between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that you are kind of brought into that. And the desire God has for you is extraordinarily powerful. That's why, as we've been hearing this morning, images like marriage which is a, supposed to be a passionate relationship. If you've been around a, a marriage growing up in one that hasn't been, then, then marriage has been misrepresented to you. Marriage is to be a passionate relationship. As well as a faithful and committed friendship, it is to be a passionate relationship. And God desires you. He desires you. I, I, I prefer it even to the word love because love can be used in such a sort of general way. It can just seem so vague. He desires you. I don't even use the word unconditional love to describe the love of God because I think it can give the wrong impression. I use the word jealous love, which is a more biblical word. God's love for you is jealous. He wants you. 
He wants you. So any sense of, I don't know if God loves me, it's just such, it couldn't be further from the truth. He longs for you. He wants to be friends with you. And yet there is no lack in him. You know, it's not, you know, you know there's people that really want to be your friend and you're like, no way. Because it's just like, they, they're just like a, a vortex of, you know, they just need you to be their friend. You think, this is scary. It's not that. He is fully happy, fully delighted, fully satisfied in himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is no lack in God. God didn't create because there was a lack and he needed some people to love him. He's, the creation is an overflow of his fullness. He doesn't need anyone, but he really wants you. He really, really wants you. And I think perhaps, perhaps very often the reason why we don't know God as close as we would is, it, well, I know it's nothing to do with his lack of interest. Nothing to do with his lack of love. But maybe very often it is to do with our lack of interest. Our heart is so distracted by so many things. There's something about the human heart. It, can only, it, can, it can't really, really love loads of things. The human heart can't. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You'll end up hating one and loving the other. You can really only have one thing that is the main thing. And then everything else in your life, even things you really like, center around it. But you can really only have one thing. And so I want to speak to you about your desire for God today. I want to ask you, do you want him? And what we mustn't do is say to him, you mustn't think in your mind, well, look, I'm sat in this shed. Of course I do. Because maybe, maybe... That is true, but maybe there's a bit more to it than that. I want to ask you, what, who do you really want? That actually matters in knowing God. He is calling you into a marriage. You might, you might say, well, look, I'm, I'm definitely open. I'm open to the Holy Spirit. Imagine if I said to my wife, you know what, Diane, I've, I've, planned, I've planned that tonight I, I, I've got the, the, the seats booked we've got a table for two at your favorite restaurant do you want to come and she says well I'm open to that what kind of impact is that going to have on me I'm thinking okay uh (laughs) I don't know where to take it from here because I'm feeling hurt but I'm open to it darling yeah that that that's really not working that's not working I'm expecting your eyes to light up I'm expecting you to Maybe, I don't know, give me a cuddle. I'm expecting you to say, this is the best thing. I'm expecting you to go, once you've made sure we've got babysitters to get really excited. You know, that's what I'm looking for. Desire. And just to be open to God, to be open to the Spirit. That's just, come on, that's insulting. He loves you. I mean, he loves, he really is so, he is so much more serious about you than you've probably got the first inkling of. So much more. And maybe, maybe as a result of even hearing this, some of you need to just take a step back and just say, Do you know what, I'm going to press pause, I need to think about this. Jesus actually encouraged that. He said, he said, don't be like the person who starts building something and then they get halfway through and they didn't think it through. So as a result, there's just this half-finished building sitting there. And he was talking about counting the cost of what it means to know him. It costs you everything. It's f- you, might, you might say, I thought it was free. It is, it's free, but it costs you everything. There's one someone I heard of who, he was telling someone about Jesus and the person said, look, I'm thinking about becoming a Christian, but I want to know one thing. I said, what? He said, will I still be able to wear jeans? It's really the question. Do you know what, my, do you know what th- this person answered him? He said to him, he said, he said, I'm not sure. Why did he say I'm not sure? Is it wrong to wear jeans? Why did he say I'm not sure? 
he spotted that there was something in this man's heart that he may value more than Jesus. And so he's, he discerned it. This is a heart issue. So it's not what it's about. It's about the heart. If there's anything you're saying, yes, 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 but Jesus, you can't touch that, then you're not ready. You're not ready. Jesus encourages you, count, count the cost. Do you want me? If you want me, we're going to run together. We're going to run together. And, and he's serious. He's so serious. I want you to sense the seriousness of the love of Christ, Father, the Holy Spirit in this place today. This is a real, real big one. Do you want him? Because he wants you. And just to say, burning and passionate things um, tend not to be cool. One's hot, the other one isn't. So if coolness is the thing you're after, you need to just stop and have a little bit of a think. He really wants you. <laughs> really, really loves you. Um, and it's not, I'm not trying to create something unnecessarily intense here today because I think that being a, no, having, having the Holy Spirit as your friend it should bring joy and peace and all of that. But you just need to know that you are coming to the one who is a fire and who really desires you and that, and that this is not an addition to your life. This becomes your life. Questions? And make them real. Let's get to some stuff because this is all the Holy Spirit uses teaching, he uses dialogue, he uses prayer to get us somewhere at the back. I just want to try and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm loving I'm loving the 80% of the words that I'm catching. I'm wanting to make sure I'm hearing you right. You're, t- you're talking about are you talking about the sense of needing him, being very, very aware of your need for him? Are you asking whether that is the same as loving him or are you asking something else? Right. Yeah, I think it's a big part of it. A big part of being a Christian is being dependent on God, which a lot of people actually don't like. It's quite uncomfortable, especially if you've been brought up and you know, and to be taught to rely on yourself. It's actually quite uncomfortable, and just and working out what that looks like takes a lot of wisdom and maturity and time. That is definitely a part of it. But I think there's more. I think there is, uh, there is more to it than simply a recognition. If I haven't got you, I'm lost. I think it's also that you discover the most beautiful person in the whole of creation and that you are we're all put together you know with a longing and a need for beauty or a desire for beauty and so I think I guess it's more than simply um, just uh, it's a big part of it but I think it's maybe maybe it is richer and fuller than that um, delight love affection appreciation but I guess maybe you could say the foundation of it is definitely an, an awareness that without him I have nothing. Maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's the foundation and lots of other things build on that. That's probably the best I can do. It's a very deep question. Just, I just wanted to add to that. I think um, <clears throat> sometimes it's just helpful to understand the difference between desire, like want and need. Um, and sometimes the reason, like it's, it's totally right that like Steph said, we come to God with an understanding. I need you, God. I, I do. Like I'm, I'm broken without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm you know, I've not got what it, what it, what, what you know, what it takes in of myself. But that's different, actually. To I, 
I want you because I delight in you because I enjoy who you are. And I think sometimes we have to be just aware that um, there can be like a tendency to be kind of hungry for the Holy Spirit because of what he can do to fix you or sort you out or make you feel better about yourself or, you know, like fill the holes. So sometimes when we say, oh, I need you, God, what we're saying is because I've got all these holes everywhere and I know you're the one that can come and fill all my holes. But sometimes we're saying, I want you, God, because you're delicious in the same way that you want, like, I don't know, a milkshake this afternoon, not just because you're hungry and you need it, but actually I want the taste of that. And, and there's something about desiring God as a person and the Holy Spirit in a relationship because it's not just, oh, I really, I really need you to come and help me to do this or be that or sort this out. But just if you ask me, what do you want? I want him. He's, you know, it's like when you get married, isn't it? I didn't marry Stu because he would do me some good. I mean, he does do me loads of good and it's great, but it's because I wanted him. And that, that's the, so I think you're right that there's a, there can be a motivation to come to draw into an appetite that comes from need and it's, that's not wrong. But that's not quite the same as an appetite simply for pleasure, for the fact that he is delightful and delicious. That's the right question to your answer, not what I said. <laughs> that's brilliant. Any other questions? What's the difference between jealous love and jealousy as a sin? I mean, I think, again, that, that, that can be quite a nuanced thing. I think every, every emotion that God has is pure. Um, I think with, when it comes to us and jealousy or envy, it tends to be rooted in fear, insecurity, that kind of thing. You know, I think that um, the Bible is clear that envy is wrong. And I think maybe a good way of defining envy is that someone has got something good and you don't want them to have it. But I think jealousy maybe, is a little bit, maybe works a little bit differently. I don't know. I, mean, I think you can be arguments over words I wouldn't want to get into. But I think that, for example, if I, so I'm married to Davina. Uh, love her very much if she was to be unfaithful I would feel jealousy that wouldn't be wrong okay I would feel a jealous anger that wouldn't be wrong but the Bible says in your anger do not sin so there is a jealousy that isn't wrong it's appropriate if I didn't feel jealous when that happened what was actually in my heart towards my wife yeah so it's appropriate but I mustn't move from jealousy into sinful action envy if envy is properly defined as not wanting others to have the good things they've got, that's always sin. Is that okay? Yeah. So jealousy, I'll use that word just about desire. God desires us strongly. Because I think unconditional love sometimes can just, can, can just give the impression somewhat that kind of whatever we do, he's kind of still, he still likes us and it's, it, you kind of can get the sort of the nice old man in the sky thing a bit with it. I think it can bring that with it and I think that's not God. He's really, you know, it's really not God. There's, there's no, there's no, he is burning with love for us any other questions yeah it's a great question you know I'm, I'm talking about the nearness of God the breath of God yesterday the Holy Spirit is the breath of God the, the, the God's proximity God, God's closeness to us but often he can seem very very close uh, very very far away the difficult thing about that is that that's kind of one of those questions whereby probably probably if a hundred people in this room struggled with that you'd want to have a conversation with, with each of them to try to discern what's at the root of it because it can be unbelief it can just be the sense of well you know just i'm refusing to believe what god has promised that he wants to come close it can just be that you've been taught badly you've you've just you've only ever been taught about the transcendence of god that he is way beyond which is totally true but you've never been taught about the imminence of god that he wants to come close so so it's just it's it's almost like just uh you're just playing catch up in terms of your understanding um it could be what else could it be Liv? I guess it could be your expectation of what it means for God to be near. It's good. Like you could think that when we say God is near, you, you're expecting like 
that kind of an experience, a tangible thing that you can feel. Mm. Um, and a bit like what Steph talked about at the beginning, you're, you're looking for like an in, some kind of experience, some kind of physical experience of God. Mm. Um, sometimes I think we just have to, again, it's being careful, isn't it, with definitions. Like God is everywhere, but there are times when you feel God close mm. um, and you just sense that, you know, we'll use language like the presence of God is really here. Do we mean that 10 minutes ago he wasn't here? Mm he's just turned up or do we more mean that we're just starting to experience the sense of his nearness so i think there's like an objective truth that god has drawn near to us and then there's like a subjective experience isn't there of whether you're you're sensing that and sometimes you sense that physically sometimes you sense it emotionally sometimes actually you 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 can't really there isn't a word to describe how you sense it it's like it doesn't affect your body it doesn't necessarily affect your emotions it affects your spirit and god's here and, and someone would say, is he? doesn't look like it to me. But you know for you, God is speaking to you, God is with you. So we just need to be careful we don't run down a really narrow channel of what we mean by like God is here or God is near or God is on me or, and, and try and define it too many like, you know, in a close way where it's got to mean this, this and this. Mm. It's quite broad. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I, could be walk, you know, I could be walking just along not particularly aware of the presence of God. But then imagine if I was in a conversation with someone while that was going on and then I lied to them. I would very quickly be aware of just the this, this spirit lovingly, gently, just kind of just saying, wait, <laughs> do you know what? You, you know, which before I was a Christian, I never would have known that. God is near. God is near. There can be moments where, I mean, there have been a couple of moments this week, just walking back to my tent in the evening, the extraordinary painting that is the sky, where I'm just arrested, arrested freshly just by the, uh, the artistry and, uh, you know, the wonder uh, of of who he is, and that in some strange way, even though this isn't entirely true at all, there's part of me that just feels he's just sort of done that for me. You know, that's the nearness of God, and I think we've got to be able to really broaden out our understanding of the nearness of, of God, so it's not just moments in meetings. We, 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 you've probably picked up if you've been here the last three days. We're really trying to undo a way of thinking about the Holy Spirit that limits him and you to moments in meetings because we don't think it's healthy. He absolutely, in meetings like this, wants to do things in our hearts and lives. Yes. Yes. But the plan of God is so much fuller than that. 24-7. That, that creates a healthy, a healthy Christian walk. That's why we're, that's why we're pushing that a bit. Um, one more question, and then we'll see where we should go for response. Yes. Yeah. So the line between the Holy Spirit and the conscience is a really, really good question. I... I, I our conscience is a very, um, very remarkable thing God has given us because your conscience can change. The Bible says it can get seared, which means it can just basically become like um, it gets, it, it becomes insensitive. Or you can have such a tender conscience that you just you're struggling to live life. You're, you're, you know what I mean? You're constantly under sort of all kinds of internal turmoil and trouble. The, what, the way that the conscience interacts with the Holy Spirit is that I believe that as we become Christians, we allow the gospel, the Holy Spirit, through the gospel to educate our conscience so that our conscience becomes lined up with gospel truth. Yeah? So that, for example, the lying thing, is that my conscience? Is that the Holy Spirit? Yes. I don't, I don't have to, you know, the, I, I'm bringing my conscience, that thing which tells me what is right and wrong, I'm bringing that under the lordship of Jesus by the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit is lord of my conscience. Does that make sense? So yes, it is my conscience, absolutely. But if I hadn't known the Holy Spirit, my conscience would not have been troubled by that lie. 
that my conscience is under the lordship of him because he dwells in me, my conscience is, 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 is responding in that way. Does that make sense? So it's important that we... Conscience is huge. It's really important that the, the New Testament actually speaks a lot more about conscience than I think many of us give time for. If you've ever got a spare two hours, you want to do a Bible study, get a concordance, get them online, real easy. Look up the word conscience, just go through and look at the, the New Testament teaching on it because it's actually central to living a healthy Christian life. Central. You can get in, people get in big trouble around the area of conscience, either, either letting it become insensitive or trampling their own or others' consciences or, or, or coming, becoming a slave of an overly, um, overly uh, uh, wrongly sensitive conscience. So it's a really big deal, that one. Okay, now, we're going to respond. Before we, before we have a chance to just do some response, I want to just say that I just felt in the room, those of us that were here yesterday when, when we responded, that I, I think the prevailing atmosphere, I just taught on faith, which is about certainty in the promises of God. I felt that the prevailing atmosphere when we stood to respond was one of uncertainty. I felt that it was a bit more like one of standing up thinking, is anything going to happen now? Rather than draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. It's as simple as that. Okay, when, when we respond in prayer now, and, and we've got the ministry guys here and others here, listen, if you know the Lord Jesus, as you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. If you don't know the Lord Jesus and you want to, if, as you call out on his name and give your heart to him, he will save and rescue you. That means there is no one in this room who, who wants to know the Lord who will not know his presence right now. Just don't box him in to this narrow thing that he has to do. Let him be Lord. Let him be Lord. But I tell you now, if you draw near to him, he draws near to you. End of story. Are you with me? <laughs> I'm not telling you off. I'm just trying to help you because I don't, want to, I, I, I don't want there to be an environment of uncertainty and insecurity and, and, and kind of almost tension. We're, we're drawing near to God. God is here. And, um, you know, as we, as, we, as we do that, he promises he'll draw near to us. So we can just enjoy him, delight in him, and let him do whatever he's doing in our hearts. I just want to share, when I first became a Christian, I was really hungry for the things of the Spirit and the things of God. And I think what, what I meant by that was I really wanted to have encounters with God. And I was just telling Steph and Stu earlier that when I... I remember I was like 14, I was a new Christian, and I just kept saying, pray for me to receive the Holy Spirit, pray for me to receive the Holy Spirit. And I would, it was around a time, it was 2000 and f- uh, sorry, 1994, and stuff was going on uh, in churches, and there was a lot of kind of physical manifestations of, of God's presence and Spirit working amongst us. And I kind of was, I just got myself quite tied up into, I want one of those moments, I want to feel God, I want to know it's all real, I want, I want it all to get confirmed with a zap. And, um, and I think I spent about six months in like an agony of unbelief does God really love me how come I haven't felt anything how how come like they shake I don't shake I I can't speak in tongues I've asked about 20 times speaking tongues I I got into this cycle every time I went to a meeting as a new Christian I'd be like this might be the night this might be the time this youth group might be the time I feel God and it was was so sad when I think about it because when I finally did have kind of like a uh, I don't know what you call it but like a sense of a tangible sense of the presence of God and I started speaking in tongues it was great and I'm not trying to downplay it. It was wonderful. But afterwards, I was a bit like, is that what I was making all that fuss about? Is that like, uh, it become the pinnacle of Christian experience for me. And I missed out on six months of, of enjoying being a Christian. 
because I'd got so caught up in it. And I feel like we want to help any of you guys who feel like, you know what, you, you saw the list of seminars and you were like, oh, Holy Spirit, Stu and Livy and Steph, yeah, I'll go there because that might fix it for me this new day. Might get it, you know, all this stuff I've been struggling with and everyone else in my youth groups all, all over the Holy Spirit and not me and I might get fixed and you might be feeling a bit disappointed. In fact, I reckon there are some people that came on the first day and we didn't do a ministry time and I think they thought, stuff that seminar. <laughs> And they've gone somewhere else. Because we've got to be aware of that. We can get so transfixed on getting our fix with the Spirit. Like, like that, like I'm describing. That we miss God is at work in our lives in the most wonderful ways. It's like we've got our blinkers on. No, I'm not listening to you, Lord, in your word. Because I'm waiting for you to zap me. And he's like whispering amazing things into your spirit that you just can't hear. And we want to help you come into freedom. If you know, like even as I'm speaking, if you think, that's me. I am in knots about an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Like it is tying me up in knots. Then we would love to talk with you and help you to just like let the teaching that's coming through over these days really unlock that for you and help you to understand there is so much of the person of God by his spirit that is more than what is going to happen when someone lays hands on you who's wearing a red cap. We hope we've been helpful. We know we might have been, we, 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 we know we could be misunderstood. Let me just make it really, really clear that um, we are absolutely for powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit in Christian meetings. All right? <laughs> have I made that clear? But what we are saying is, is that the ministry of the Holy Spirit goes way, way beyond that. Okay? Goes way, way beyond that. He is our indwelling friend for life. And we just want you to make sure that you are hearing that so that you have the fullest experience of the Holy Spirit that you most possibly can. The fullest, fullest experience. Okay? So what we're not saying is we're not going to pray for you and we don't want you to have a powerful encounter with God. Not saying that for a moment. What we're saying is this. We want you to fully experience the Holy Spirit in every single way that he wants to experience you with.